Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Caroline Aaron, and you're listening to TV Confidential. He was as normal as pumpkin pie, and now look at him. But Dave's not crazy. He's never tired. He's never miserable. He's on the road to adulthood. When I was young, I was tired and miserable. Ed Robertson welcoming you to hour number two of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. This happy to welcome Emmy-nominated actor Paul Dooley. Most of you know Paul Dooley as the dad in Breaking Away, 16 Candles, Robert Altman's A Wedding, and countless other movies and TV shows. What you may not know is that Paul also starred on Broadway, performed as a stand-up comedian in New York nightclubs throughout the 1960s, performed with the cutting-edge improv group Second City, wrote and starred in many popular TV commercials throughout the 60s and 70s and co-created the groundbreaking children's series The Electric Company, not only writing every episode of that show's first season, but also creating such memorable characters as Easy Rider, J. Arthur Crank, and Fargo, North Dakota. Ironically, while Paul was carving a niche for himself as a dad on screen, he was living through a real-life nightmare off-screen that involved his ex-wife and first two children. Paul talks about that in detail in more in his brand-new memoir, Movie Dad, Finding Myself and My Family, on screen and off, which I'll tell you more about in just a second. But first, we begin our conversation by telling Paul, I'm sure you've heard this many times before. But because you've done so many movies, people, I'm sure, remember you for different things. That's right. I've, I always think of you as the dad in Breaking Bad. I mean, Breaking Bad. Breaking Away. <laughs> I wish I'd been in Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Although Cranston said a very nice thing about your book on the, on the back cover. But, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, it's just because... Um, that's when I first discovered who you are and because I was a teenager yeah. and, and I'm sure people who did not always have great relationships with their own dad, they connected, you were able to connect with them on screen. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, I've never been able to explain it really why I played 25 dads. Uh, and partly it's because 16 candles work so well, mm-hmm. but I do believe there's something innate in me that I, it's not something I bring to the table that seems to have empathy and uh, understanding. And uh, even though I sometimes uh, play the kind of dad who is a little hard to get along with, there's something innate in me that people feel or see or, or understand that tells them I'm not really a mean guy, even if I'm cranky or grumpy, that there's something else there. 
and in some movies like Breaking Way, I have an arc, so it comes out mm -hmm. that I have a heart of gold, <laughs> especially when my son is winning. Well, and that that touches on one of the takeaways I got from your book, which is because throughout the book you you talk about your own personal, you know, search for identity and. Yeah. Like like many of us, we are never one thing, even if we do one thing for a living, we're an amalgam of different things. And, That's right. And I, I think one of the reasons why people have always connected with you, have always connected with the dads you play is because yes. you bring different things to each of those parts. And you drew yeah, on... The guy you, in Breaking Away was exactly like the guy in Sixteen Candles. Mm -hmm. but, no? but you draw on different things about your own experience, particularly... Yeah. You know, when you played the dad in Breaking Away. Yeah. Uh, he's, for the first, you know, half of the movie, he's just kind of uh, nasty because he doesn't want his son to, he wants his son to maybe be able to go to college and do something mm -hmm. with himself and not waste his life. But the way in which he does it is through this kind of a sarcasm uh, and being against uh, the kid wanting to race a bike or being Italian. But the truth is underlying that is just a hope for his kid to do something better. So you really kind of understand the guy uh, when he seems to be a roadblock against his son. You, you get the idea that he must be hoping for better things for the kid. And I was really touched when you talked about how in, in that scene where, where Dave's dad talks about how even though he helped build many of the things that were part of the campus. He never felt he never felt comfortable being on campus, and then he he puts his arm around the bench and kind of touches the stone that he helped build. And that's right. And when you talked about what your own dad was going through at the time, yeah, and how that sense of touch, that sense of sensory perception, helped bring him back to the house yeah. that he built, well, even though the rest of him was failing. I mean, that was that's right. Well, I said his hands remembered. Yes. And I also said that when I did the scene and touched the stone bench, my hands remembered. Mm -hmm. my, I had a relationship with the feel of it, the tactile. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I love the double meaning my son says, I'm not ashamed of being a cutter. And I said, you're not a cutter. I'm a cutter. <laughs> That's two meanings. To him, it's in an insult from the townies. And to me, it's a compliment to be a cutter of stone. I visited that factory, that stone uh, place, and uh, the head guy was called Matt, the Master Sculptor because before they were doing it with power chisels, they used to use real chisels to make columns for courthouses and places like that. So being a cutter is a compliment to me, but to my son it's a, it's a derogatory thing. So I thought that was interesting. And... Paul just gave you a glimpse of what you will find when you read his book, Movie Dad, Finding Myself and My Family, on screen and off. Paul not only shares many wonderful stories about his life in movies, television, the Broadway stage, the improv stage with Second City, and as an award-winning comedy writer, but Paul's book is filled with many jokes and a lot of puns. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I intended. That's right, and because that's that's one of the things that's who that's that is one of the things that makes Paul Dooley 
Paul Dooley, your love of, not, not just your love of puns, but your love of words. And I, I've always been a wordsmith. Yeah. I do it every day, all day, practically, with my wife and I. Movie Dad is available, bookstores everywhere, through Applause Theater and Cinema Books. Also, you can find it Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Speaking of your wife, Winnie, uh, you and I have a few people in common. Yeah, who is it? One of my friends is Joe Doherty, who I believe Woody worked with on 30-something. Absolutely. Very I, good writer. Very excellent writer. Excellent writer. Another person you and I have in common, and I say sort of because I don't, I don't know this Joe as well as I know Joe Doherty, but I met Joe Montaigne as a result of James Garner. Oh, yeah, and I worked with Jim Garner in a movie called Hell. Yes, one of yeah. one, but uh, Mantegna lives in my neighborhood here oh, in cool. Burbank. Cool, and uh, I did a film with him called State of Emergency, where he was uh, a doctor operating on my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see him from time to time because we're right here in the same neighborhood. I doubt he remembers me, but I years ago when he was back back in the 90s when he was doing the Spencer movies for um, A&E, James Garner invited me to the set. He and Joe did a show called First Monday, and Jim was kind enough to invite me onto the set one day, and so for a brief moment, I was shoulder to shoulder with both Jim Rockford and Spencer. <laughs> well, I loved uh, Garner. He was a terrific guy. He was. He was. Uh, very, very good actor. And another very, very good actor who I got to know as a result of this program is Kevin Pollack. Oh, yeah. Kevin, I did about 15 episodes of a sitcom with him. It was called uh, Coming, Coming of Age. Age and yeah. It was in a uh, retirement home. And he was a thorn in my side. <laughs> he, didn't like, he didn't like old people. <laughs> he worked there as a manager. He always said, you want to move your chair a little closer uh, I know you people can't hear well. <laughs> he, he was just a, you know, he's wonderfully sarcastic. And in my book, I quote a joke of his. At lunch one day when they came, his turn to order, he says, Waitress says, what do you have? And he says, how is that your business? <laughs> I spoke to him from time to time during the pandemic. Uh, you know, we keep in touch. Paul Dooley's memoir, Movie Dad, Finding Myself and My Family on Screen and Off, Available bookstores everywhere through Applause Theater and Cinema Books. You can also find Movie Dad online, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One of the things I learned about you is I grew up in San Francisco towards the end of the great era of nightclubs. And so I really enjoyed your career, the, the chapter where you talk about your career as a nightclub comic and learning your craft, especially working with David Panich on, on crafting a, a yeah. routine. And, and a brilliant writer, very brilliant comedy writer. And in many ways, I don't know if you've seen Mrs. Maisel, the show, but it... Yeah, I have seen it. Well, your chapter, when you recall your career as a writer, Mrs. Maisel captures a lot of the things that you capture yeah. in your book, that era. Yeah, and a lot of young uh, performers have to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a learning experience. I really ended up being a, a stand-up for a kind of only a few short years. 
Then I found I could get into Second City and finally look into the eyes of another actor. And it was much more fun than standing in front of a bike, especially when the audience doesn't understand your joke. <laughs> but I, My I, agent told me I was too hip for the room. I had to... <laughs> On the road, I, I didn't do well, so I had to come back and work in New York, where I did very well. Well, but I, 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 I'm not an actor. I just talked to Paul Dooley on the radio. But I would imagine that that time when you were when, when you did stand up, when it's on alone, when it's you on the stage by yourself, and you have to think on your feet when when a joke goes awry, or you don't get the, or you have a bad audience. You know, yeah, I, I'm sure. sure I'm sure those things you channeled those things when you went on to do improv at Second City. Absolutely. Well, you uh, it's so much more comfortable to have a family on stage with you instead of you and a guy named Mike. <laughs> The thing that happened to me is I had very good material. It was very well written. But if I found the audience was laughing, I knew it was in the wrong room or yeah. the wrong audience. And I would continue, and I'd still get some laughs. But what happened was my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And I, wouldn't, I wasn't even enjoying my own comedy because uh, they didn't quite get it, you know. Well, but it, it's not their fault. They, they like what they like. But I wrote the way I wanted to write, and I did the kind of material I liked. It was much more, uh, not a comedian doing jokes, but an actor doing scenes. Yeah. Beginning, middle, and ends. They're like one-man sketches with no other performers. That's what I did when I... And in some places it worked great. In some places it didn't. Well, if you set out to be an actor, if you set out to be a stand-up comedian, whatever one sets out to do, you have to have the commitment to do it full throttle. And, and if it's not there, then you know maybe you should be doing something else. Yeah, and the truth is, I had a, I was sidetracked for about fifteen years in becoming a hit on commercials, yep. as you may remember in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have to worry about plays or TV shows or anything like that because I was wonderfully uh, popular and successful in commercials. I was a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and I could do any commercial, any part in any commercial, and I. At that particular time, some of Paul's commercials, such as um, his commercials for Fab, the award-winning commercial he did for Salada Tea, some of those commercials are available on YouTube for you to enjoy. The backstory of those uh, of those commercials is one of the chapters that Paul recounts in his wonderful book, Movie Dad: Finding Myself and My Family on Screen and Off, which you can find in bookstores everywhere through applause theater, and cinema books. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. This is a tease, Paul. This, <laughs> this, this is a tease. Um, uh, I'm going to tell you that when you, in the chapter where you talk about your, your years doing commercials, and you, yeah. and you tell the story of that one particular commercial uh, for M&M's. Yes. <laughs> I, I do not want you to reveal the punchline. I'm just going to tell you, when I read that, I laughed out loud. And I laughed to myself when I did it. <laughs> making fun of the client. Making fun of the commercial itself while I was doing it. Yeah, which, as you reveal, if you want to make a living doing commercials, and, yeah. you know, you, you, that's not something you do, but at that point, you're, you, you're in a good position because you can afford to make that crack and it didn't cost you because they knew they were getting Paul Dooling and you were good. Yeah, I thought I might be fired in a couple of times, but I didn't care. I had plenty of other jobs. <laughs>
<laughs> including, including the opportunity to perform the words of Neil Simon. When you, I don't, I don't remember. You'll correct me. You were on Broadway with uh, yeah. on the Odd Couple. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was on it about a year, and I played uh, one of the poker players. There are four poker players in it. But then I also understood it, Art Carney, and when he missed, I used to go on and play the lead, the other lead opposite Matthau. I played uh, Felix, or the Art Carney role. Yes, yes. And, uh, yes. and uh, Paul shares some memories of working with Art Carney and uh, Walter Matthau, among others, in, his, in, in Movie Dad, his memoir, which you will enjoy. You can find Movie Dad every, uh, in bookstores everywhere as well as Amazon.com. There are three takeaways I got from your book. Yeah. One of which is, uh, speaking of Art Carney, um, yeah. w- one of the recurring themes in your book is that now, there's an old saying, never work with your hero, never work, from, never work with your idol, because they, you may find out they have feet of clay. In your case, working right, with yeah. in in your case, working with your idols, working with your heroes, was mostly a good experience. Um, well, yeah, because I loved Carney. Mm-hmm. It was a great experience. Yes, yeah, and and uh, you so you you all you worked with Art Carney, and you worked with Buster Keaton. Um, in commercial, he was my first hero when I was fifteen. I discovered him. And he was my lifelong hero, and I met him. And for two days, we made a commercial together. (laughs) So that was uh, meeting your heroes. Meeting your heroes can be a good thing. And I don't recall whether you ever met Gleason, but you got to channel Gleason when you played Wimpy in in Popeye. (laughs) Well, I wasn't channeling him. If if anything, I was afraid I would look too much like Oliver Hardy. coming from is okay they they put you in a fat suit to make you look you know larger than you actually than, than, than you were at the time but both Gleason and Oliver Hardy they were big guys but they were very graceful and right. a graceful fat man and, and it, it happens a lot you know that uh, somehow I, I have a lot of guys I like who are overweight and they always moved like they were ballerinas somehow they mm-hmm. light on their feet graceful yeah light on their feet. Yeah, and yeah. that that came across in your performance in Popeye, which is one of many movies you made with Robert Altman, and your experience with Robert Altman was one of the was one of the events that changed your career trajectory. It saved me from the commercials and turned me into a movie actor where then Hollywood sort of knew who I was, but up to that point before Altman, I was only known around New York and people knew my face but not my name because of the commercials. Well, his name is Paul Dooley. His memoir, Movie Dad, is available in bookstores everywhere as well as Amazon.com. Paul's going to stay with us for another segment. We hope you'll stay with us as we continue our conversation with Paul Dooley here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk 
at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.